The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim. Zim, say what's up. Hello, world. How's everybody doing this evening? We are in for a special treat today. We have none other than Dr. David Chow here with us that is going to talk to us about injuries. Why? Because he's the injury specialist, man, the guy that does it all. Dr. David Chow, please tell everybody how you're doing today and where they can find your work before we start anything. Uh, thanks for having me on uh, through Twitter, ProFootballDoc, ProFootballDoc.com for the best analysis. So we got some new things coming this year, but it'll be all through social media and ProFootballDoc.com. And by the way, I know you guys already, but Orange is the New Black. I mean, my wife might be excited. She loves that show on Netflix. She'll think she'll look highly upon me tonight. Say when I go home and say, "Look, I, I got a guest role on Orange Is the New Black." You know, she'll be excited. Tell her that. <laughs> tell her, I will. Tell her that, and tell her to send out a mass tweet to all of her friends too. <laughs> Sounds good. So, getting into it, Doctor Chow, uh, the first injury that I want to talk about is one of the most recent. It's not the most recent. Uh, but the Bengals had a backup reserve swing tackle in Hakeem Adeniji. Uh, he suffered a torn pec on June 18th of this year. Uh, what are just your thoughts on, you know, can they expect him back this season or what should Bengals fans expect from Hakeem Adeniji? Well, you know, pec tendon ruptures, and that's what it is. It's not muscle. Everyone calls it muscle. Actually, the timeline is shorter than one might think. If you think back to J.J. Watt, the season before uh, when he came back from that torn pec uh, for that playoff game. He wasn't 100%, but he got hurt somewhere in the middle of the season. And so a June, early June timeline, I mean, four months is not unreasonable for a return. You know, he might not be 100%, you know, in terms of what side he plays on and what's the outer arm and uh, where he's at. But I would expect that he could come back this season. It's just a matter of when and how late. Right. And and is that like, I guess when, 
people talk about torn pecs uh, because the next person is Wyatt Huber, who just, you know, injured his pec on 726, in, in, which was yesterday. Um, but you even made a tweet on it and said that there was a possibility that he would could, he could come back at the end of the season. How likely is that is the first part of the question, I guess. Well, the issue here is that, uh, look, you know, uh, these pec recoveries are getting quicker and quicker. If you look at baseball, uh, the, uh, the White Sox center fielder is coming back after, uh, I think it's four months of playing. But, you know, baseball is a little different than football, especially when you're taking on uh, uh, blocks uh, or making blocks, et cetera, and pushing another 300-pound guy. For him, if he were a vet player and the Bengals were going into the playoffs for meaningful games late, I think he would have a reasonable chance of returning. He's a rookie, so you're asking him to recover from an injury and step up to a higher level of play with different schemes. And, and, you know, asking people to do two different things makes it harder. Right. Just to go back into Torn Peck, because that's a common injury, I guess, for Bengals. (laughs) And, um, you know, like. How hard is it or how is it how much of a freak accident is it or how hard is it to actually tear your pec? Because we're looking at guys like going back to William Jackson, going back to Trey Wayne's last year, torn pack. Now we're talking about Wyatt Hubert, Hakeem Adenogy. Those are four guys right there. I feel like I'm missing somebody too. Well, that's better than the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who had four Achilles tendon ruptures in the same practice a few weeks ago. I mean, that is really unheard of. Uh, but pec tears uh, do happen. I mean, heck, uh, it's almost an annual thing at the combines when combines are normal and they're working out at combines doing bench press. There's usually one poor college kid out of the 300 or so doing bench press that pops his, his pec uh, during the uh, bench press portion of the workout trying to really do his best so it's a it's a eccentric load phenomenon it's where the muscle uh acts stronger than the tendon and uh the reason why we get these pec tendon tears these achilles tears these acl tears is that believe it or not my pec tendon my achilles my uh the acl is not that much smaller proportionately than let's say uh, recent Bengal Geno Atkins, right? Big, huge uh, D lineman there. Uh, right. And that's why as players get bigger, faster, stronger, you know, you get and you see some more of these. That's just the nature of the game. It's like uh, putting, uh, you know, uh, an off road vehicle uh, on with the same suspension as your average Ford Escort, you know? Right. But do you think a lot of this might come from like maybe like mismanagement or something like that? You you kind of talked about like where a guy goes to the combine and maybe he wants to put up those extra reps to make his numbers look good. Is that something that could be managed better at uh, behind the scenes from weight training in the all season, or is it just so much as it could easily pop based off of the size of the build of your body now matching up with these muscles? Build your body and the way that you do it. I mean, uh, whenever you do a quick, fast twitch activity with the muscle, and usually with sort of a change of direction, that's where uh, the injuries and the uh, issues happen. Uh, and uh, so, there, you know, I look at what we do and we look at injuries. 
it's not one answer. Uh, we're talking about pecs, but if you notice, even in the two players that we talked about, uh, sight unseen, I kind of gave two slightly different answers as to what they can do. The first guy, the swing tackle, depending on which side it is and, and you know what side he's going to play on, might come back a little bit sooner, but also, uh, you know, the rookie, right? And so uh, to, to say Peck equals this many months or this many weeks or any injury, I, I just don't think that's, that's correct. And that's where um, – that's kind of what I do. And I know no bigger example, and I'm sure we'll get to uh, Joe Burrow when, you know, heck, you had guys on Monday Night Football saying he should sit out for 2021 and come back for 2022 when it first happened and you know i had my reasons to say i thought he'd be okay you know so you can't just treat every injury the same and say well because the team had this pec injury it must have been because of this reason you, you have to be more careful in the analysis right so one thing that i wanted to ask you about we have another pec injury with with trey waynes and I don't really want to just ask about the injury itself, but sometimes you do this thing where you say, you know, with this injury, this player will come back and hit the ground running or, you know, don't expect him to be what he was last year until a certain time. With Trey Wayne sitting out the entire 2020 season with that pec injury, what are some of the expectations we can expect for him, you know, coming in without playing last season? Well, I mean, obviously the game of football is not easy. And uh, so uh, it's going to take some uh, time uh, for him to get reacclimated. But I actually have high expectations because as a corner with his pec injury, I mean, as a corner, you make your living. Sure, there's press coverage and other things, but you make your living with your feet. And that hasn't been slowed down at all during this entire time. And so I expect him to hit the ground running, so to speak. Definitely. Yeah, and I guess are there like unique situations where I think when it first happened, um, where we were talking about a torn pack uh, from Trey Wayne's versus there, there was someone else I remember came out in the same breath. What what could separate the differences from like not to go ahead? We could go to Joe Burrow, but like what would separate the difference of me tearing my ACL in my recovery time versus? me tearing my ACL along with my MCL and my PCL, like how much more time does that add on to the injury? And is that the reason why everyone thought that maybe Joe Burrow was just going to, you know, like, or were thinking that he should sit out a whole entire season? I think the signal. Doc, we still there? So I think we lost Doc for a second. Uh, but um, I think what he was pretty much saying is, you know, every pec injury is different. It really depends on the circumstances, depends on the position, where they're playing at, uh, what they can do. So I think, honestly, um, that was good news, I think, that he said about Trey Waynes. I mean, obviously, with him being a corner, he's more so using his feet. He said, obviously, there's some, you know, jamming and coverage and stuff like that, but utilizing his feet with the footwork is what's going to matter. So I would take that as it's better to depend on Trey Wayne's coming back from his injury than it right. would to be like, uh, you know, CJ Uzoma, who's coming back off of an Achilles injury. Obviously he has to use his feet to run routes to plant and kind of block guys and stuff like that. 
Um, so that's how I kind of took it. So I think that that's good news on the Trey Wayne's front in terms of that. Uh, we're waiting for Dot to get back in. Zim, is there anything you wanted to add on to that? Uh, yeah, I want to say while we got some time, please make sure you check out my man Ace's uh, new shirt design he's got there in the background. I don't know if you guys can see it. It's the Migos, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase. That's on NewStripeCity.com. He also has a bottle of my favorite sauce. That is from Midwest Barbecue with my man Tim over there um, and his wife, a lovely couple, lovely food, and I'm hungry. So if you're listening to this and it's anywhere near lunchtime, please make your way over to Midwest Barbecue. And also bake, make sure that you get uh, a whole lot of orange. There's been a whole lot of orange going out this week. So definitely be sure to pick up your shirt from a whole lot of orange. There's several different ones, all types of players, all dope. Uh, be sure to check that out on ZimHooday.com. All right, I think we got Doc back. Uh, Doc, are you with us? Yeah, I am, and and I'm not moving or driving anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> all good. All good. Hello, yeah. handsome. How you doing there? Look what, at what's you. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> you want to show that face to the world? Come on, let him see it. <laughs> well, I, I needed to make sure I was not driving. Audio was one thing, but all all good. Absolutely, uh, it, he's 100 stationary. Everybody, we're going safe on this uh, this pod here. Yeah, and so I was saying, and and you know. Look, you can't – what we do here, When we, if anyone says this you – know, player A had this, so player B should do the same, that's just way too simplistic. That's like saying this wide receiver uh, – wide receiver A runs these routes, wide receiver B should be running these routes because he's the same height and weight. It just isn't the case. Uh, it's very individual and that's kind of what I try and do as I look at things. I mean, I heard people comparing uh, Joe Burrow to Carson Wentz. Look, on Carson Wentz, I said he would not be ready the next season. This is a bigger deal for Carson Wentz. Why? Because it was a multi-ligament injury, but it was his PCL-LCL, whereas Joe Burrow's was ACL-MCL. Yes, technically multi-ligament, but medically very different. And that's one of the reasons I've had optimism on Joe Burrow, uh, et cetera. So I think, uh, you know, people ask me on Twitter all the time, can you tell me how you know? I mean, yeah, do you have three hours? I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's not it's not that simple. Look, uh, uh, I'll let you in on a little secret here, you guys, first that uh, things have gotten so busy for us and all the things that we do that we are going to add some other uh, medical professionals, other medical professionals, that worked only with pro teams. That's sort of our calling card. So uh, it's not just doctors. It's doctors uh, who, not doctors, and not just doctors know what they're doing, but doctors know what they're doing who worked with pro teams and know the, what we call insider knowledge side of things, not insider information, but insider knowledge to give the best for people. And look, I'm trying to show those guys what I've learned over the last decade and across 17 years looking at video when I studied it. And it's not a one hour lesson. It's not a, uh, you know, so uh, when people say uh, on Twitter, what do you see here? And can you tell me why that this is or isn't an X tear? I'm like, it's a little more complicated than that. And there's a lot of nuances. Right. So, so for the people that don't know, Doc, please let them know like your background, like some people might not, may not be familiar that you were a professional team doctor before. 
Well, I think that's the difference, right? And that's what gives me an, an unfair advantage. It's the insider knowledge here. And so for 17 years, when I was the head team position for the San Diego, yes, San Diego Chargers, um, I would see a guy on the field, on the sidelines, in the locker room, the next day after an MRI. And then I usually would have, so we know exactly what he had and what we thought about the injury. But then I would usually have about half hour, 45 minutes before my meeting with the general manager upstairs. So I made it a habit of going into the video room and the video guys were awesome at pulling all the, you know, coaches film and, and game film and editing it for us to show us. And what were we doing? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, everyone in the building in any football building on Monday is studying film. I mean, there are times when a player goes down and I said, well, what happened? They said, well, I don't remember. It was a big pile. Let me look at the film, right? And so I had dead time. I was intellectually curious. Everyone in the building is looking at film. And so I started looking at film to do what? I don't know. We just did it, right? And essentially, it worked out to be very useful because there I had the answer. I know what the injury is. I've examined the player. I've seen an MRI. I know exactly what he has. And then now see how he got it, right? And I had no idea what this would lead to, but I did this for 17 years. And that's why I've been able to be relatively accurate in the 90s, mid-90s, just by video over the years, because it's been more than a hobby. It's been a science that I've studied. Now, I don't have an exam. I don't have the MRI. I don't have the exact diagnosis, but it's like reverse. It's like Jeopardy, you know, asking the question and here's the answer and now the other way around, right? And, and the video is now the question. And, and for those wondering out there who don't know, if you go to the doctor and you hurt yourself playing indoor soccer and you hurt your knee, the doctor says, what happened? You said, well, I was playing indoor soccer. I was running this way. My foot got caught. Someone hit the outside of my knee. Well, you're describing the video of what happened. Right. So for traumatic injuries, that's kind of where we get what we get. And then I try and go next level with it because it's not a simple, you know, uh, grade two MCL equals four weeks. I mean, it's more custom than that related to the player, the type of player, the injury. And, you know, uh, as you know, in what's reported out there isn't always the truth as uh, regard in regards to what it is. And so we try and, you know, uh, fare through all of that. So, so I guess, I had, I had one question I wanted to say because I noticed one thing when I was checking out your stuff on, at Sports Doc is that now, because you have so much inside information, now it's evolving into now you can translate that for people that play fantasy football and, and, and gambling and stuff. Is that the next step for what you guys are doing? Uh, no question. I mean, you know, it started out, look, as a fun little hobby and it's continued to grow and with fantasy, daily fantasy and now gambling being legalized everywhere. Of course, it's useful information. And look, um, uh, the more that is not known, the more useful my information is. And what we pride ourselves in is that we're the only place that does true injury analysis not injury reporting. Most sites that are very good, you know, say, you know, the team said four weeks or the team said this, the player said this. That's helpful. The official injury report said this. That gives you a framework. But we all know that's hardly the full story or the truth, right? 
And so I try and go to the next level, which is the analysis part. And the analysis really in-game live, I'm the only place that I am aware of that will go out on a limb in-game before there's even a report from the TV about what the status is. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it gets me in trouble. I remember speaking about the Bengals when I first started doing this, I had a um, interesting lesson. I still remember it was a Thursday night football game and it was the year that early on uh, when uh, Geno Atkins tore his ACL and obviously Geno's the stud, right? He was the man. And I remember looking at the replay that they were showing on TV and the, the announcer was saying, it looks okay. Not a lot happened here. I remember tweeting out, it happens the step before the replay. He continued to finish the play. And I had it on, you know, TiVo Rewind and I could see it. And that's why I said, you know, he tore his ACL. And boy, I learned a good lesson. I got a lot of grief from Bengals fans because he was your central guy. How do you know you're on your couch? You're an idiot, this, that, the other. And I had to say, look, I don't know for sure. I'm just giving my opinion. And yes, I'm on my couch and I'm not trying to make any more of it. And if you notice now what I've decided, especially when it's a new fan base, the, the fan base that knows what I'm doing doesn't care and it's fine. But it, a lot of times when there's a new injury like that, someone doesn't know what I do. I get a lot of anger. Like, how do you know, you know, you're just guessing they don't know the whole thing. But nowadays, at least my followers would chime in and say, don't you know what he does? Kind of thing. <laughs> but, but, but I did. Don't you just, got this, don't you just go online and just say, trust me, I'm a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, 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 or I stayed in a holiday Inn express last night. Right. right but, that works too. <laughs> but, but, but actually what I always try and do is distinguish myself. I'm not, just a doctor in the sense that I'm a doctor who's an orthopedist who works in sports medicine, who took care of these professional level athletes and saw the injuries, but also was on the other side of the information or misinformation that teams give out. So it's easier for me to read between the lines. And, but nowadays what I do, uh, this happens is, uh, you know, if there's another ACL tear where a kid, I think, tore his ACL, I'll say, by video, appears to tear ACL and, you know, kind of thing. And I think it it probably is a better way. So I learned that lesson from Cincinnati Bengals fans. Oh, and, I mean, you were right, though. I mean, you were right. I, and I think me and Zim, I know I definitely vouch hard for you because I've been a fan of your work from afar. And you are the only person that I've ever seen. It can be Monday night football or whenever it's on. You'll talk about every single injury that happened earlier in the day. And I think that that's that's great to have you there because it kind of cuts through the fluff. If, if you if you know what I'm saying, like you talk about the reports that are going out there and some of the misinformation. And I always go to you because I know that I'm going to get the direct answer. Well, and, and, you know, what's funny is if you go to my Twitter site, Pro Football Doc, you'll see the pinned tweet and you'll see the uh, war room or command center. We've got, you know, all eight or 10 games on with multiple people watching the games. And what's really ironic is I may know all the big injuries from the week, but what's ironic is I literally, you could teleport me back Jetson style or whatever in time to Sunday morning in Las Vegas. And I'm not sure that I could make any money. Because a lot of times 
I don't know the final score and the final spread or what the total was or whatever, because I'm just concentrating on the injury side of what right. happens some weeks less more so than others. And some weeks less, you know, depending on the injuries, but yeah, it's sort of a unique niche that we're dedicated to. Definitely. So one thing I want to ask you about is, uh, the Bengals have C.J. Uzoma coming back. Now, you mentioned earlier, and C.J. Uzoma is a starting tight end for the Bengals. He's coming off an, of an Achilles injury. You mentioned earlier with Trey Waynes, his pec injury shouldn't have, you know, hindered him on the field because he doesn't really use his pec as much as his feet. C.J. Uzoma, a tight end, may use his feet. So how do you feel about him coming off of an Achilles injury? Well, you know, Achilles is not easy to to come off of. And uh, what week was his injury again? I don't remember. It was week two. Week two. Of yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was pretty early. So that really gives him a better chance to come back and and be uh, be effective here. I'm more optimistic uh, on him than if it were week eleven. And uh, you know, um, Achilles in space do better than Achilles, sorry, Achilles in space do worse than Achilles in a confined space. So the more that, you know, for his blocking ability and, you know, inside routes, he might be better, but in space is a little bit harder. He's a pretty big guy. So we'll have to see, but I'm, I would be cautiously optimistic that he could be okay this year. Let's let's go. I, I got two players. One of the players isn't on our list, Ace, that I wanted to ask him about. And I was really curious about this because currently right now the Bengals are looking at uh, center depth, right? Uh, they brought in guys that Austin Ryder or Reader, who currently is has a knee injury. And they're they're they've been rumored to taking a look at it right now. But this is all stemming from Trey Hopkins, who tore his ACL week 17. He was recently cleared yesterday for all all season training activity all camp activities how soon do you think that he'll be able to play an nfl football game if well it's clear? so it's it's so individual and even when you're cleared i mean does that mean you're 100 percent? i don't right. know that it does right and uh you know it really really depends on the individual situation you know obviously the footwork i would be uh more concerned about footwork and other things in a pass set than I would in a straight ahead run block situation. Uh, but you know, uh, center is a very cerebral position. You got to get back into the game. Uh, it, it depends, but you know, uh, the fact that he's been cleared, at least they don't see any major hurdles. Right. And right. so, uh, that certainly is a, uh, is a positive, but him being injured, I guess, week 17, is it likely that he, that you think he'll play week one of an NFL football season playing the center position? That was less than six months ago, is it, or is that exactly six months? Well, that's more. It'll be closer to nine But if you talk uh, week one. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, because week, yeah, kind of week one, yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, I mean look, uh, uh, I can say this, and it's not HIPAA because – the patient the players allowed me to but you know uh and one of the more famous examples is philip rivers who tore his acl in the uh in the playoffs uh had a knee surgery and then had his acl reconstructed after the 2007-8 afc championship game uh so he had it in uh you know basically starting early february late late january so that's about as late as you can from a season and uh 
not only did he start week one at, at quarterback, not only did he start week one, but 100 days afterwards, if you Google 100 days in Phillip Rivers, you'll see an ESPN article that he was cleared in a red jersey, but able to do uh, minicamp at 100 days. So, you know, nine months, I think it's possible that he can play. Will he be 100%? I don't know that that's possible that he'll be 100%. But, you know, is is 90% good enough for him to start? Is 90% good enough for, for him to be the backup? I don't know, right? I mean, I don't know the depth. I don't know how everybody's doing. And then sometimes, yes, people are forced into action. Look at Alex Smith, one of the greatest comebacks of all time. But the man has a foot drop. Did you see Project 11? He was nowhere near 100%, right? His mobility was different uh, and uh, the whole deal. Yet he did a great job when he played, and he also didn't last. But look, if not for the depth on that team with Haskins and Haneke and all the other injuries, Alex Smith would not have seen the field. He was pressed into duty. So there are times that happens too. And, you know, my hat's off to Alex for what he did. But it was not the Washington football team's plan to play Alex Smith last year. Uh, you know, they were forced into it because of depth issues, et cetera. So that's the side I don't know. But in general, I think he would be an available choice. But what percent is the question? So two other players that I want to talk about. We have starting running back Joe Mixon, which I'm sure you're familiar with him. Uh, was injured with a right foot injury week six of 2020. And then we also have DJ Reader. He was a defensive tackle, nose tackle, um, that had a torn quad week five of 2020. What is just your analysis on on those two players? Obviously, one is a running back. The other is a defensive tackle. What, what was the foot injury, though? <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you guys. What was the foot injury? Look, Look, uh, you guys are on the ground there. I don't always <laughs> see everything. But, look, uh, was this really a dancing injury? I mean, after the touchdown celebration? I mean, did, did has there has anything come to light on, on remember, that? I just remember him on the injury report. I don't even remember actually seeing the injury. I remember him it playing just said part of the game. Injury. They do I not say whether it's part of the game. Or, or what it is. They just said well, that. Well, was- here, here, here's what I know. I mean, I study the film and I go back and look at injuries and we have a crew of people that try and find them and show me and study it. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, call a spade a spade. I did not see a lot on Joe Mixon by video. That doesn't mean he wasn't hurt. It just mm-hmm. wasn't caught on video or from what I saw. The last mm-hmm. time I saw him, if my recollection serves me well, he scored a touchdown and was seen dancing in the end zone and then didn't come back. And it was out for 11 weeks or whatever it was. So, yeah, there's a little bit of mystery there on what it was. I mean, right. Was it a list rank? Was it whatever? And and I'm not trying to make fun of Joe Mixon or injuries, but, yeah, dancing's the last time that we've seen him on the field. <laughs> um, go, going back uh, before we close this bad boy out, like you, you were talking about the Alex Smith injury. I felt as though, like, there are similarities – a bit with Joe Burrow because the mobility levels of uh, Alex Smith early in his career were similar to Joe Burrow. Um, They have pretty much about the same stature, different things. They have similar attributes, right? Knowing what we know, knowing that he isn't forced into a situation where he has to start week one, they have backup guys that could play. I know that the coach's season is probably on the hot seat, but there's no reason to put the franchise quarterback out there you know, in harm's way. 
they went and had a report yesterday that said that they would not force him into activities early and he probably wouldn't play preseason football. If you were the GM of the Cincinnati Bengals, what would be your Joe Burrow plan coming into this season? Well, I would have to let Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow's knee dictate it, right? I mean, if his knee can withstand things, if he's, you know, in the high 90s in terms of his recovery, but also mentally, if is he sharp on the reps and, you know, there's a mental side to the game as well. And quite honestly, until Joe Burrow or any other player coming off a major knee injury takes that hit and thinks, uh-oh, something's going to happen and something isn't right, and then dusts himself off and says, I think I'm okay. That mental hurdle is hard to get over. I fully expect him to wear a knee brace, not only this season on that lead leg, but for the rest of his career, a la Tom Brady. A lot of quarterbacks do it regardless because that's what's vulnerable. You're looking downfield, and that's where the trash is coming, and that's why you cannot hit a quarterback low below the waist. But sometimes it's friendly fire. Sometimes it's a guy falling into it, you know, your own player. Sometimes someone is blocked into it. So there's a mental side of it as well as a physical side of it. Um, And, you know, the other side of it is he's your future. And the last thing you want to do is put him in games where he isn't ready to go physically or mentally and ruin his confidence. And, you know, uh, your coach is still new. I would imagine he's got quite a bit of rope and no one's going to say, you know, you know, uh, why aren't you playing Joe Burrow if he thinks that's what's best for the long term? So I think uh, you're okay there. But with all that being said, I would be somewhat surprised if he wasn't your opening day starter. Uh, look, um, and it's very individual. Philip Rivers, and I'm not trying to just go back on whatever, but Philip Rivers never played in the preseason throughout his career. He always wanted to play in the preseason, et cetera. But a couple of things. Number one, he was a delayed signing, right? And, you know, and didn't play and he ended up doing fine when he did. So in the bottom line is that's just been the norm. He and LT didn't see much time ever in the preseason, right? Uh, and Philip did play some ultimately, but the bottom line is, some players are okay with that. Some players want to see the reps. My guess is if Joe Burrow is a player that wants to see the reps, he'll lobby his way into playing some this preseason. You know, if he's a guy who's okay with not, then he'll probably listen to the coaches saying and the GM saying don't. So there isn't a one size fit all answer for this, but you're going to have to let the need dictate it. But uh, I actually am fairly high on Joe Burrow. Unfortunately, too many people are high on Joe Burrow that, I didn't really get him in any of my fantasy drafts. So one thing that I got to ask you is, is it fair to expect Joe Burrow to continue where he left off? Because he was on fire last season, and a lot of people didn't think that he played like a rookie. Should we temper those expectations, or should we feel like Joe Burrow can come back and still be that guy? Well, look, I've always said this, and he got hurt in the pocket, right? And in general – you get hurt a lot more outside the pocket and then in the pocket statistically. So what he has going for him, he's a mobile quarterback. And in general, uh, he doesn't run routinely as part of that. He runs when he has to, right? Um, And uh, he's mobile when he has to be. So I think that's a good formula for keeping him more out of harm's way. And really a lot of this, you know, to me, the number one attribute 
and worry here is not going to be his knee, but mentally, you know, uh, his sophomore year, et cetera. And look, he's got the same coaches. He got the same system. He's been working mental reps, et cetera. He's been started sharp with some success. I would be relatively confident that hopefully he can get on that same trajectory, but you know, football's a very difficult game, right? I mean, you can uh, head in the wrong direction very easily, but so far I'd be optimistic. I mean, do I think his knee is going to be 100% week one? No, I think he's going to be stronger as the year goes on. Do I think his knee is good enough to be able to perform? And if he listens to the scheme and, and lets the play come to him, and, you know, he's in a comfortable system, which he seems to be, I would be fairly optimistic about him. Uh, however, here's the only other side to worry about. I, this is just me as a pseudo football guy. I don't love anointing quarterbacks early. I think a lot of quarterbacks can have early success. Look, uh, my, the one exception was Patrick Mahomes. When they benched Alex Smith, for Patrick Mahomes, I said, what are the Chiefs doing? I had no clue. I saw him two games, and I said, this player is different. They know what they're doing. Uh, other quarterbacks, I was never sold on, on Jared Goff completely. I was never sold on Jimmy Garoppolo completely. Right. Look, uh, one of the two things I'm internally proudest of, I said Jared Goff was going to be fine for that playoff game with his thumb with the Seahawks and would be the starter. And I was wrong. And people got all over me. And my logic was he played all the week 16 fourth quarter with no tape, nothing on that thumb. It was an IP joint dislocation. He's now got a pin in it where it's stable. He's had two weeks. I don't see how physically he's not the starter. But when he wasn't the starter, I went on record doubling down saying, there's more to this story that there's something hidden here. And I even did some podcasts saying hiding behind health, right? And I thought the Rams were hiding behind health. And why did I know this? Not only from the study of the injury, if you go back to that game, the Rams only activated, um, who's the quarterback they started? John Wolford, right? Mm -hmm. They only had John Wolford and Jared Goff, two quarterbacks. If Goff is not 100% healthy and there's any question mark, Name one team that goes into a regular season game, much less a playoff game, with one and a half healthy quarterbacks. You would activate Blake Bortles because one hit to Wolford. If Goff has an issue, you can't go Denver Broncos with COVID and and run a wide receiver out there in the playoffs, right? So when Blake Bortles was inactive, that told me Goff was for sure healthy, yet he didn't start, and he also finished the game. So after the season, I doubled down again saying, I'm telling you, either they think Wolford is really good and he's really close to Goff or Wolford's down here and they think Goff's not that far away. Look, Tom Brady, when he dislocated his thumb before the playoffs was starting, Phillip Rivers in Indy with the whole, you know, uh, turf toe issue wasn't practicing, but he was starting, right? I mean, so that tells you something. And then that same podcast, I said, Jimmy G, his high ankle didn't fully make sense to me how his timeline and everything. And I remember having Lonnie Paxton, a former teammate of his on, and I, as the guest, and I said to Lonnie, do you think it's possible that this is like Jared Goff? They're hiding behind health. And he agreed it potentially was. And look what happened. They traded up to the number three pick and got Trey Lance. Not that they hate Jimmy G, 
but yeah. you know that that they didn't see him as the long term guy. They don't hold him as, as high you, regard. You so, got to look at those coaching staffs too. Those are two coaches that know exactly what they want and they know exactly what they need to get over that hump. Yeah, and and that's where you know I know I got off on a tangent there, but I'm saying <laughs> that I'm close to anointing Joe, Joe Burrow, but the only worry is is the sample size so small that the defenders, like for example using baseball's analogy, the first time or two through a pitching rotation, through the lineup, the pitcher, that triple-A pitcher, gets the best of a lot of major leaguers. But that third time, watch out. They've seen some of the pitches now, right? Right. So do they have a book on Joe Burrow now where they've now had an off-season design and the system where they can defend it a little bit better? That's where you see some of the sophomore slumps or jinxes. Hopefully that won't happen to Joe Burrow. But there's other factors beside his knee, obviously. Um, one one thing that I think was going to help you anointed is that we're going to send you some Joe Burrow gear. That's going to be one, <laughs> one major step because we need you walking around like sharing the good gospel of Joe Burrow's the savior of Cincinnati. We need you to walk around and tell the world that because that helps our cause out. I had one really, really big question. A lot yes. of people. So we have a different world that we live in on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. So when we go online, anytime the Bengals have an injury, the first thing somebody says to us is fire the staff, get rid of everybody, the whole entire <laughs> training. Every single a guy could be out for one week, fire the whole entire staff. They think that, and this is this might seem a little crazy in your world. I'm on the outside, I'm the minority that just says, Hey, luck of the draw, whatever. The like more than average Bengals fans or Cincinnati for the last decade have said that this, this, the training staff is not up to par, and that is the reason why we have so many injuries. Do you have any thoughts on that? Let me give you two general things. Uh, uh, and, and you know, of course, in order to really know, you got to analyze the specifics. But you know how in the beginning of every season, you know, there will be a poll of what do you think the, the team's record will be? Let's say ESPN will do it from their beat reporter, their main beat reporter. And – it turns out that the average record of the league is nine and seven. It's never eight and eight. So you're always a little more optimistic on how your team will do. And if you did the opposite ranking, which is a ranking of what um, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, um, uh, medical staffs, how good the medical staffs are, I think you would have uh, 20 teams in the NFL thinking their staff was among the bottom five. I mean, that's just the way that it is. When things are going well, you get no credit. Like the medical staff is like the long snapper of the NFL. I mean, when you get a good snap, nobody knows the difference, you know, but when something doesn't go right, oh boy, you, you, you get it all or, or the field goal kicker. But here's what I say. And I said this to a GM before, believe it or not, when he was giving me grief about injuries, what I said to him is, and you call everybody coach. I said, coach, you got to understand, I'm Paul Revere. I'm not the British. I mean, I'm not injuring the players. I'm trying to get them better. I'm telling you the injuries are here, and this is what we need to do. I didn't get the guy's foot stuck in the turf and tear his ACL, right? I mean, I'm trying to fix all those. So I think you need to – look, if you have a lot of instances of – players that don't get better after injuries or that misdiagnose, you might look at the injury and right. training staff. But if right. you're looking at, you know, is it turf? Is it this? Is it bad luck? Quite honestly, 
the GM selections have as much to do with injuries as anyone else because if you pick guys that are – look, LT never got hurt because LT at 90% was very, very, very effective. But some running backs, the guy who came back after, came after LT, and I won't mention his name, very good running back. He got hurt a fair amount, but he was running at 110% to be effective. So he was – he was vulnerable to the counterpunch if you're throwing punches from your heels, whereas LT was not, right? And some of that is GM selection of the player. And you can't fault a player for going 110% and then laying himself on the line and getting hurt. You can't necessarily blame the training staff. In some ways, it's what you're asking the player to do. So injuries are absolutely multifactorial. Doesn't uh, training staff has something to do with it? Maybe. But you have to look at it on an individual basis and what the injury is and what happens. But it's also not just pure luck. you got to look at the pattern of injury. So it's a very difficult question. No, we appreciate that. Um, so thank you, David, for, for taking some time out of your day to join us. Once again, please let the people know where they can find your stuff. Uh, Pro Football Doc at Twitter or ProFootballDoc.com. And, uh, you know, I'm going to text my wife right now that I'm making an appearance on uh, Orange is the New Black. And let's see what she says. And, and look, and then all we're gonna right, and we're gonna right, send guys. you the merch, right? We're gonna send you the merch, and she'll be like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, wait, what, what holiday is coming up? Or you know, I'll I'll wrap it as a gift. Say, I, I know you, you like Orange's New Black. Okay, we'll we'll do that. That'll I be got great. You. At the end, of the, she might be a little a little funny at first, but at the end of the day, uh, uh, nobody could deny a t-shirt. Like you, you need t-shirts just to make. Sounds it good. Uh, I I hope the t-shirt will take uh take the place of the Gucci. Ooh. I don't know. Yes, well, sir. Yes, sir. mentally, it will. <laughs> we'll see. Price tag, not so much. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening to the Orange is the New Black podcast. And Zen will end this with a yes, Sirski. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, I never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in